How many enjoyed the worship team back? All right. We've missed it. We've missed a lot of things with all these things going on, but we praise God that the best is yet to come, as Adel always says. And when we get into the new building, everything will be back to normal and even better than normal. So it's going to be fantastic. Shall we just look to the Lord in a word of prayer this morning? Father, we come to you. We need you. We thank you for what you have done for us in sending the gift of your son to our hearts. We thank you that you sent him into the world. The one who is rich yet for our sakes became poor so that we, through his poverty, might become rich. We're so thankful this morning that we can be here. And we thank you for the saints that are not here with us, that are watching on computer too, Lord. We pray for them, that you'll be with them, comfort them, heal them if they're not feeling well, and bring them back to us safely once again. And Lord, we pray that you will bless now the word as it goes forth this morning. May you hide me behind the cross, Lord. I am nothing without you. I need you. I pray, Lord, that you will speak clearly from your word in a powerful way by the Holy Spirit today. And I ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord changed the message for me today, but that's okay. So we don't need these notes here that I have here. We won't need that. But praise be to God for that. You know, I was really touched this morning. We sang at the breaking of bread some of these beautiful Christmas carols. And we had already sang this morning these Christmas songs and carols for the worship team. And it's been just a tremendous blessing. I was thinking this week, it's sad if we don't have a night we can sing the Christmas carol. Because Christmas would not be the same if we can't do it. And the Lord gave me my heart's desire. I found out that we were singing on the worship team. But still, I didn't know we were singing Christmas carols till this morning. And my heart was so enriched and so blessed. And then at the breaking of bread, we also did the same. I mean, you can take all the Christian songs we have today and put them on one side. And you can take these old hymns and these old carols. And the words are so rich in them that we get blessed just by singing the song. They're a doctrine in themselves. The songs we have nowadays that repeat over and over, I mean, they're fine. They're good. There are many good ones. But praise God for these old carols of the faith that we have. Please turn with me this morning to the first chapter of the gospel according to John. There's a story behind this because I was going to speak on this subject. I didn't actually prepare it and put all the notes together on this subject, but I was going to speak on this subject. And then the Lord put another subject on my heart and I said, Lord, show me what you want. So... We're back to the original message here uh, today. And these verses really touched my heart when I read them a little while back. And I've been thinking about them ever since. And it just ties in together with everything we've been saying, everything we've been sharing, everything we've been singing about John chapter 1 and verses 10 to 13. John chapter 1 verses 10 to 13. He was in the world. And the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That day in history, stands out above 
any other day, the day that our Lord Jesus Christ came into the world. Think of that. The God of the universe who was in heaven with the Father made the choice to come down to this world. You know, a lot of us can make decisions on what we're going to do in life, where we're going to go in life. We're going to make a trip, let's say. We plan out the itinerary. We're going to start here at the Oakland airport and we're going to end in our itinerary in Phoenix. And I have a story to tell about that that is very, very interesting because we had a flight planned originally at 6.20 in the morning. And I said, I'm going to have to get up about 3 o'clock in the morning to make this flight. Well, the night before, they canceled the flight and said, your flight is canceled. So I called the airline, made a reservation for the new flight at 7.50. Oh, that sounds good. 7.50, we can still get to Phoenix in a good time and go about our day. We had some customers to see and so forth. 7.50. Well, we got to the airport and, of course, it was very cold that morning. 28 degrees. Fahrenheit, when we left Danville, the park and ride, we left one car there and came to the airport. And Oakland is not prepared for freezes. They're just not prepared for cold weather at all. And so, of course, the flights were delayed. And they had a huge number of flights delayed. The person at the the TSA said to us as we came in, there were about 10 flights canceled already. So it was really amazing. So guess what time we left? 10.30. And so it just put the whole day in in a different light. And so then coming back, There was delays also because the plane could not fly. It was going to originally fly from Phoenix to to Ontario, Southern California, and then to Oakland. They said, well, I'm sorry. We were already on the plane. They said, we're sorry, but the flight from Ontario to Oakland is canceled. It's frozen there. They can't take flights in. So we had to go to San Francisco, take the BART all the way to Oakland, got to Oakland, just missed the shuttle that would take us from the BART to the airport, right? So we just missed that. So then we got a cab and took the cab and so forth. And I got to bed just before 2 (laughs) a.m. What a day. I started about, really, I still woke up really early in the morning, like about 3.30, and got to bed at about 2 o'clock. So it was a long day. But that was my flight. I was just going from Oakland to Phoenix and Phoenix back. But think of the amazing journey that our Savior made when he came all the way down from heaven. He didn't come by an airplane. He came in the form of a little baby. He was born. Never ever in the history of the world had it ever happened. Never will it ever happen again that a virgin would give birth to a son who would become the son of God. And it was totally amazing. And the scripture tells us with God, all things are possible. Here, a a virgin girl, Mary, could give birth to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And that's exactly what she did. And that's why this little phrase has been in my mind and on my heart for so long. He was in the world. We, We spoke of it this morning at the breaking of bread, how the Lord Jesus Christ was the homeless stranger. He didn't have a place to put his head. He didn't have a, a nice warm home like all of us have today. He slept out on the, under the stars and so forth. But he did that because of his great love for you and I. He had to make the trip. He had to come down from heaven down to this world and live among us, his creatures, his sinful creatures. That is amazing to me. The Bible says that one of the titles of of Christ is the Emmanuel, God with 
us. Imagine how the world changed at that time that God came down to dwell with men. That's amazing. I'm sure the angels couldn't have taken in their shock and dismay that their Savior, that their Redeemer, that their King, their God was going down to this world. You know, we, we sang in that song this morning, Joy to the World. No more let sins and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. There was a curse that sin had brought into this world that was widespread. Much wider spread than any H1N1 virus. Much wider spread than any AIDS virus or any other virus in this world. We had in us and still have in us the virus of sin. But guess what? Jesus has a vaccination for it. He came and died for us so that we can be saved from our sins. Yes, he was in the world. He came with the antidote. You know, they say if you get bit by a snake, like a rattlesnake or something like that, that you need to get the serum right away in order to live. Otherwise, you are going to die. And sometimes you're out in the middle of the desert, you get bit by a snake. And there have been cases where they've had to come and bring in the serum from a long distance away and they've gotten it there just in time to give it to the person who is about to die to save them from dying. Jesus came at just the right time. He came in the nick of time. The Bible tells us that. It says that he was born of a virgin, born under the law, that he might redeem those who were under the law. We were under the law. We were under the curse of the law because the law said, unless you keep this law perfect, you will die. If you break one of the commandments of God, you're guilty of them all. And he knew how much we need him. And so he came down. He came from the glory. He came from his glorious kingdom. He came down. One of the old hymns that I liked so much was out of the ivory palaces into a world of woe. Only my eternal Savior could go. And what a blessing it was that Jesus came down from the ivory palaces. And what did he come to? He came to a world of woe, a world of sin. You know, it's just amazing. He didn't say, well, I'm not going to come down to earth until they clean up their act, until they get rid of all the sin and all the pollution and all the corruption and all the crime and all the violence. Clean up your act. Did he say that? No. He came down at our worst state. The world in its worst state. I don't know how it could be any worse than it is right now. It seems to get worse every day. Every time I turn on the TV and watch the news, every time I hear it on the radio or on the Internet, it just seems to get worse. And what really amazed me this week was Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods, I mean, he was my favorite golfer. And I'd like to say, and I'd admit it, he was my favorite athlete. And I love football and I love baseball and basketball and all the sports. I really do. But I had some special affinity with Tiger Woods because he had a certain mental focus. He was an excellent player and he played the game the way it should be. He was a winner and so forth. And to see all these things that are happening now, it just reminded me of this. Sin is still sin. The human nature is still the human nature. Whether it's Tiger Woods or me. And I was thinking, I said, Lord, I'm no better than Tiger Woods. I'm a sinner too. Why would you love me, Lord? 
We are sinners through and through. We're sin. We have the sin nature in us. And even after we get saved, we have that sin nature in us and there's the collision between the old nature and the new nature. But I'm thankful that Jesus loved me enough and He loved you enough to come down from heaven. And so it can say He was in the world. He was in the world. And the world was made through Him. Who is this Jesus? Is He just a good man? No, He's more than that. Is he great? just a great religious leader like so many others? He's more than that. Is he just a great teacher and philosopher and preacher? No, he's more than that. He's God. He's the Creator. The Creator became our Savior. And when I try to understand that and get my handle on that, I have a hard time with that. Think of that. God the Creator came down in the person of Jesus Christ. It's hard to take in. It's hard to to believe that He would do that for me, that He would do that for you, the Creator. He created us. And think of how much pain we caused the Savior. We caused Him so much pain. We sinned against Him. Our first fathers, Adam and Eve, they went and they took that forbidden fruit and they ushered in sin into their lives and into our world. Oh boy, so many people say, I want to get my hands on that Adam. <laughs> I get it. Not our Adam, you're fine. But <clears throat> the original Adam, we'd like to give him a piece of our mind. What's the matter with you doing that? Eve, you were the one that started the whole thing. Why did you have to listen to the serpent and take that fruit and eat it and give it to Adam? You know, we're going to have to have a talk with them. But you know what? What the Lord showed me a long time, many years ago, and I'm sure He's shown you the same thing, that if I was in that Garden of Eden, and I was Adam, or if you were Adam or Eve, we would have done the same thing too. We're made of the same stuff that Adam and Eve are made. The Lord, when He created Adam and Eve, He created Adam first. He reached down and took some dust of the earth and made a man. Now, who could do that? Only God can do that. Only God is the creator like that. He can take some common, ordinary dust and turn it into a complex human being. The doctors, the scientists, the people of the world are studying the human body and they cannot figure out how intricate it is all connected together. Some parts we don't think we really need, like the appendix. Oh, you can have your appendix out and live a perfectly normal life or you can have your tonsils taken out and you can have a perfectly normal life. There's certain parts that we don't really understand. But you know what? When we get to heaven, we're going to find out that appendix had a purpose, that those tonsils had a purpose God had for us. And so everything that God does, He has a purpose for it. He created us for a purpose. And that purpose was to glorify Him. And what interfered with that purpose was sin. And that's why we we see what happens when Sin came into the world. It destroys. It causes so much havoc and so much evil and wickedness because of sin. You know, he came into this world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. And then the most amazing thing is the world did not know him. The world did not know him. When Jesus came into the world, he wasn't greeted by an entourage of Religious leaders, civic leaders, they didn't gather together all at one place and come and say, oh, we're going to worship the Messiah. No. Who was there? A few lowly shepherds. 
three wise men who came from afar. That's it. Lord, that's it. And where was he born? He wasn't born in the hospital. He wasn't born in the beautiful like San Ramon Regional Medical Center. I remember years ago when Alicia was pregnant with uh, Christiana and she had her there at the San Ramon Regional Hospital. And I said, wow, this is quite a great room you have. Remember that room? It's so nice. I mean, I mean, most hospitals don't have rooms that nice. But where was Jesus born? He was born in a manger. He was born with all the animals around. And I know animals don't smell too good. And there they were, and it was dark. They didn't have electricity. And it was cold. They didn't have the power, the heat to go go on. And he was born there. He chose that because he loved us. He chose it. He didn't chose the easy way. He chose the hard way to come down from heaven and become a man and to live among us and go to the cross and die for us. But it says the world did not know him. And I ask you this question today, if Jesus were to arrive on the scene today, and let's say he hadn't come then and he was coming now in our generation, 2009, would it be any different? Or would the world still not know him? I believe the world still would not know him. Because you look around you today, and if you take all the members of all the churches throughout the United States and all the way throughout the world, how many would that add up to be? Very few compared to the population of the world. I mean, this world has billions of people in it, and yet so few have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. They didn't recognize him. There were only a couple of who really recognized him. And I'm going to ask the kids a quiz. Can you tell me one or two, tell me one man and one woman who recognized Jesus as the Messiah. They were waiting for him to come and they recognized him when they see him. If you know that, raise your hands. I know you kids know what their names are. One was a very old lady, right? And one was a very old man. And if you know their names, tell me. It starts with an S for the man. Yes, Sophie. Simeon. And for extra credit, can you give us the lady too? Anna, look, give her a hand. What a whoa, beautiful. I love that. I love that. And you know what? I love Sunday school too, but I'm kind of blessed today because the kids are in the audience. And I, it's a blessing. Look at that. Our kids are learning the word of God from their youth because they're taught. They're taught at Sunday school, but more important, they're taught at home. They're taught by Alex. She's taught by Alex. She's taught by Kalina. All the parents are teaching your kids to know the Lord as their Savior, to accept Him into their lives. That is such a blessing. Thank God for our kids. That is tremendous. Yes, He was in the world and the world was made through Him and the world did not know Him. He came to His own and His own did not receive Him. The very people that should have received Jesus were the ones that didn't. Now, another translation of this could be he came to his own things or his own possession, his own domain, his own people, and they rejected him. I can't believe it. The religious leaders, they knew the scriptures. I mean, they knew it backwards and they knew it forward. They could tell you what every word meant. And yet, when the Messiah was right there in front of their face, they couldn't see it 
They couldn't recognize him. They didn't accept him. And that's an amazing thing to me. Why is that? Why is it that they didn't acknowledge Jesus, that they didn't recognize him, and that they didn't accept him? One thing, the devil blinded their mind. And that's why so many people don't accept Christ today as their Savior is because the devil puts blinders on people so that they can't see the truth. And that's why prayer is the only thing that will remove those blinders and so people can see. And when the Lord removes the blinders from your eyes, you can see. Just like the blind man Bartimaeus when he could see. And the Lord put his hands on him and healed his eyes and he went and rejoiced that once again his sight was back. Yes, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. That's one of the saddest verses, really. When you, It's a commentary on the human nature in the human condition that people can get so lost and so blinded. And yet, you know what? God never forces himself on any person. I want to read you a story about warnings and how God brings warnings to people. This is a really great story that I had for you this morning. And it tells about a story about how people would not listen whatsoever to the warnings. Not at all. And it's a story that really happened back in 1969. In 1969, in Past Christian, I never heard of this town, Past Christian, Mississippi, a group of people were preparing to have a hurricane party. Now, I've never had a hurricane party before. I've never experienced a hurricane before, but I know if I did, I'd be on the floor. I'd be hiding. I'd be crawling and getting into the safest place possible. But these people were out of their minds and they were having a hurricane party. Unbelievable. And guess what hurricane was coming? Camille. Have you ever heard of Hurricane Camille? It was one of the most vicious, violent hurricanes that there ever were. And the writer says, were they ignorant of the dangers? Could they have been overconfident? Did their egos and pride influence their decision? We will never know. But what we do know is that wind was howling outside the apartments at the posh Richelieu apartments when police chief Jerry Peralta pulled up sometime after dark. Facing the beach, less than 250 feet from the surf, The apartments were directly in the line of danger. A man with a drink in his hand came out on the second floor of the balcony and waved. Okay. Peralta yelled up, you all need to clear out of here very quickly. As quickly as you can. The storm is getting worse. But as the others joined the man on the balcony, they just laughed at Peralta and his order to leave. This is my land, one of them yelled back. If you want me off, you'll have to arrest me. Peralta didn't arrest anyone that day, but he wasn't able to persuade them either. He wrote down the names of the next of kin of all those some 20-odd people at at the party. And can you imagine they're drinking and drunk and laughing and partying? Oh, yeah, well, here's my mother's name. Here's my cousin's name. Here's my sister's name. Here's all my next of kin's name. And just laughing about it, not heeding the warning of Jerry Peralta. So he wrote down their names. It was at 10.15 that night that the front wall of the storm hit. Scientists clocked Camille's winds at 205. 205 miles per hour. 
the rain began to come and it says the rain was pelting down like bullets. It was coming in such fierceness. And there was the storm was so severe that the that the waves off the Gulf Coast crested at get this 22 to 28 feet. I'm a short person. I'm only six feet, one inches tall. Okay. The ceiling, maybe what? 12? Okay. Double that. And that's how much water was just flooding, flooding down. The next day, they found all the people dead. Every single one of them. The only one who survived was a five-year-old boy who was clinging to a mattress. All the rest were killed. And the story goes on to say, that nothing was left of the three-story structure. And the worst of it came down in that section of town in Past Christian, where there were gambling houses, motels, go-go bars, and all of these things. The moral to the story is, the Lord Jesus Christ came down to die for us. He came down to warn us of the consequences of our sins to show us how miserable sin will make us, how destroyed our lives will be by sin. He warned us, but he won't force us. Just like the police chief, he's not going to arrest them and take them away. They had a choice. They had a free will. They chose to stay there in the storm. They chose to die. How many today, like that, are refusing God's offer of free salvation? They're they're, they're, They're looking at God and saying, I don't need that. I'm okay. I don't need that kind of love. I don't need that kind of forgiveness. I'm okay. But the Bible tells us that we're all sinners and we all need to be saved. And if we don't, that storm is coming. That storm of judgment is coming. And that's why God warns us to heed the warning and not to let our guard down. Because basically, this world is a very, very sad thing. Sad place, this world. He says he came to his own and his own did not receive him. You know, sometimes we have to remember that God puts in every one of us a conscience, doesn't he? He puts a conscience in us. And that conscience is like a barometer. It warns us of danger and things that we should do. Don't do this, Vince. Don't do this, Mike. Don't do this, Karina. The conscience. God gave everyone a conscience. Well, I found a very interesting story by the name of Edwin. His name was Edwin. He had just bought this beautiful new car. Beautiful car. He probably bought it from Ron. Beautiful car. And he had in his car a voice-activated system. It was a voice-warning system. And it had a very gentle, nice female voice. And so Edwin was thrilled with it. And he started driving this car. And so at first it was great. You know, the, the voice came, Edwin... You need to fasten your seatbelt. Oh, sure. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And so he he named the voice the little woman. So he he called the voice of this the little woman. He soon discovered, though, that the voice was programmed to warn him about his gasoline. Your fuel is low, Edwin, she said in one of her sweet voices. Edwin nodded and said and thanked her. But he figured, hey. I've got enough gas here to go at least another 50 miles. Surely I do. But a few minutes later, her voice interrupted him again and gave the same warning. 
And so it went as he's driving along the road. She repeated the same words over and over and over again. By this time, (laughs) the little woman's voice is not as pleasant as it once was. And so he was still smiling a few miles later when his beautiful new car began sputtering and coughing. He ran out of gas. Somewhere inside the dashboard, Edwin was sure he could hear that little woman laughing. Because basically, the story behind this was that I forgot to tell you is that as he's driving along, he, got, he couldn't stand the voice of the little woman anymore. So he went under the dashboard and he disconnected the wires. He yanked those wires out and silenced the little woman. And so you see what happened. He didn't listen to that little voice. And so he ended up running out of gas. And so the moral to the story is God loves us so much that he has given us his warning. He's given us his warning in his word. He won't force it on you. He, makes, he gives you the choice. He gives you the decision. Edwin could have listened to that voice and he could have stopped and got that gas. Everything would have been great. The people in the, in the past Christian could have said, yes, Jerry, you're right. Let's get out of here now, guys. The storm is coming. But they didn't. And how many today are lost by their own decision? By their own decision, they're lost. And that's why it says he came to his own and his own did not receive him. But I love verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. Not every person will be lost. Not everyone will reject the warning. Not everyone will reject the Lord. Praise God, there are those who are saved. And you can be among them today. You can be among them today. And it is my sincere prayer that you will be. And it's also my sincere prayer for Tiger. And for all those athletes and celebrities that get so mired in sin, sometimes God has to bring you down. He has to bring you down to get you saved. I mean, look at Tiger, for example. Was there anybody more on the top of the world than Tiger Woods? From the money he made, he's the first athlete Get this, the first athlete in the history of the world, probably will ever be, again, who made $1 billion. With a B, $1 billion. Endorsements, golf tournament wins, all kinds of appearances on things, and just, he was viewed as an icon. He had a great image. He had a great reputation. And in one second, All gone. And I really believe that he would give up all the money, all the endorsements, all those things just to have back his life with his wife and kids. Even if he didn't love his wife, those kids, he could lose those kids. God knows what it takes to get to your heart. He knows what it takes to get to my heart. He's going to take things away that you're relying on. He's going to remove things that you're counting on. Maybe you're counting on your 401k. Maybe you're counting on your money in the bank. Maybe you're counting on your health. That's always been great health. Maybe you're counting on people, family members to be there for you when things go bad. But guess what? God's going to take it all away until he gets you just one-on-one with him 
and says, I love you. I want to save you. I brought this into your life so you'll take notice of me and come to me. And that's what God does. He loves us too much to let us go. And that's why he came down from heaven. He couldn't send an angel. It wouldn't have been possible. And he wouldn't have done it in the first place. He said, I am going to come down and personally visit them. I'm going to visit Earth. And they say Earth is one of the smallest planets in the solar system. This tiny little globe that revolves around the sun. They were asking a question on that show, are you smarter than a fifth grader? I don't think I am smarter than a fifth grader, but they were asking, is the sun larger than the Earth? And so they, they got the right answer. No, the, the sun, uh, the, yes, the sun is larger. The earth is smaller. So God took this little tiny dot, this little globe, and he put us here. And he put them in a garden. And he gave them everything they needed. And then we know the story. Sin came into the world. And then God loved us so much, he came, sent his son to die for us so that he could rescue us. And then he has a plan for us in heaven forever to be with him. Better than anything we ever have on earth. Earth is beautiful. You can still see the beauty even though sin has marred it. But heaven's going to be even greater than that. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you don't have that hope of being in heaven. You're lost. You know, they have that TV show called Lost. People are enamored by it. And it's it's an interesting show. They're all on this island. They're lost. They can't get off the island and a lot of bad things happen and all kinds of things like that. I'm not, I've never really watched the show much myself. But if you don't know Christ, you're lost. You're lost without him and there is no rescue party that's coming. There's nobody that's going to come to save you. There's nobody that can save you. That's why Jesus had to come and die on the cross because there was no other way. If we could live a good life and be saved and go to heaven, Jesus wouldn't have had to come. If we could have done good works and made it that way, he wouldn't have had to come. If we could keep the law perfect, he wouldn't have had to come. But we couldn't. We were powerless. We were hopeless. We were without him. And he came down, died for us, and gave us the greatest gift that we can have this Christmas is the gift of Jesus Christ and the gift of salvation. So may the Lord encourage our hearts to rejoice today. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, that's you and I, to them he gave the right or the authority to become the children of God, even to those who call on his name. If you're not a child of God this morning, don't go out that door without him because he loves you too much. He's still going to come after you. You may say that's good for you. That's very good talk, very good message, but take it to heart. Take it to heart. And if you know the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, rejoice. Say with the songwriter, joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Shall we just close in prayer? Father, we just want to thank you for the greatest miracle of sending your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into this world. God, the creator, the the God of the universe, came down to personally die on the cross for our sin. This little baby didn't stay a baby. He grew up and went to that tree. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you loved us so much to die for us and bring us eternal life. 
Please be with every person here this morning. Let each person get alone in your presence, Lord, and accept you as Lord and Savior and know that they're saved and have eternal life. And we pray for those who are saved, that each one will rejoice this Christmas that you came to die for us and to save us and give us life. And so we commit this day to you now and thank you for all your blessings. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen.